Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Nash and Pine Sports Chat. I am your host, Wilson Times sports reporter Andrew Schnitker here with sports editor Paul Durham. And we are back. We've got some interesting stuff ahead to talk about this week, Paul. Yeah, lots of big things. We're getting into the meat of the October schedule, the fall sports. Don't have very much left in the regular season, if any, of some sports. Um, so it's 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 go time for fall sports. Yeah. Speaking of which, we'll start off with football. Wilson Prep coming off a pretty commanding win over Kip Pride last week. Their Tar Roanoke Athletic Conference foe, and now coming up for Wilson Prep is the big one. They're headed down to Northampton County. Northampton County's been a really good team this year. Both teams are six and one. Northampton is 5-0 and in conference play. This is a huge game for a lot of reasons. I mean, it's probably going to determine this conference. Wilson Prep head coach Philip Dickens went to Northampton County. So did one of his assistants, uh, Shannon Pendergrass, I believe. He's got family down there. I mean, Dickens told me on Friday night that they've had this game circled from the start of the season. And I, I think really, you know, we keep talking about this and what this Wilson Prep football program has accomplished in year one. But I just think the fact that they're playing a game this big with this many stakes this late into the season kind of continues to speak to that. Well, it does. But I will say this. The Tar Roanoke is a have and mostly have not conference. There's about three or four teams that are pretty tough. Northampton County is clearly the, the front runner. They're the defending champion and um, at five and one overall record um, or maybe even six and one. I can't remember. They only got one loss. Um, but they are uh, definitely the team to beat in that conference. Wilson Prep wants to be the team to beat. Warren County's not bad. North Edgecombe beat Wilson Prep's not bad. Southeast Halifax has, has had some good games. And the rest of the league is really scrapping to get anything they can. Um, so, you know, it's a little it's a little hit or miss. It'd be a little bit different if these schools were at Tarboro's 1A conference for football. But for the one that they're in, um, it, it's, it really comes down, I think you said, like the Friday night. Wilson Prep in Northampton County, the winner of that game is going to be looking pretty good for the first seed from the Tarona. They'll obviously both have a loss in conference play because Wilson Prep lost to North Edgecombe. But, um, you know, if Northampton wins out and they both went out, then Wilson Prep gets the, the bid. But there's also two bids coming from this conference because it's a 19th conference. So, uh, you know, it, only good things will happen to Wilson Prep if they win this game. And even like you just mentioned, even if they don't, there's probably a decent chance that they end up with that second bid from this conference, depending though on what North Edgecombe does, who they have a loss against. That's correct. The North Edgecombe won a big game last Friday night. And so it, it's there's still a lot to be done. I think Wilson Prep safely in the high school, uh, North Carolina High School Athletic Association playoffs uh, with five wins um, and, you know, probably a couple more on the way. They still haven't played Rocky Mount Prep team that finally scored its first points of the season last Friday. Like I said, there's there's a, there's a few have-nots in that league. Um, but, yeah, this is the game they want to win. If they want to, you know, collect another conference championship and, you know, maybe go for that uh, that Wells Fargo Cup. And speaking of teams that really still have it all in front of them in their conference, we, we were on here last week talking about Beddingfield and the impressive run that they've been on, you know, beat, winning that game handily against Goldsboro. We kind of said, well, okay, they beat down a team they were really, a really bad team they were expected to beat. Let's see what they do against North Johnston this week. It might, you know, might be a little closer, might be a little bit more of a contest. And it wasn't. I mean, Beddingfield went out there 
at Barton, first high school game played at Barton, and just handled it. I mean, they won 30, 34 to nothing, so that's two shutouts in a row for Beddingfield. Defense is playing really well. They've got a good mix of guys on offense that they like. And, and I mean, to me, because I, I mean, I was at the Beddingfield Princeton game last year, and it was a, a running clock in the second half. I mean, the turnaround that Beddingfield has made this year is pretty remarkable. And you look, they've got some tough games coming up. They've got Eastern Wayne on the road. They've got Princeton on the road. But sitting there at 2-0 in new six play, it's still all right there for Beddingfield. They, they can make something happen here in this conference. Well, that's how they played last Friday night. And whatever they did last year is irrelevant. Uh, it's almost irrelevant what they did in the first two games. Playing against Hunt and Fike and got beaten badly in both games. And I'll say this right here now. If Hunter Fike played Beddingfield right now, it would not be like that. In fact, I I put the Bruins as the favorites. That team is playing with confidence. They've got athletes. They look like a Beddingfield team that we saw under James Ward and Carl Smith for two years. It's taken Ben Ellis a little bit more than one uh, over one season to get them together. But they're playing they're playing good ball, and they they are the biggest thing I think with Beddingfield, especially like you said. I mean, the running clock last year. I mean, it was horrible. It was a horrible year. They were not in any game. They got completely obliterated. But now they've turned that corner on the confidence. They believe in themselves. And that makes a world of difference in high school football. So I would expect them to beat Eastern Wayne this Friday. I think they are a playoff team. I think they are probably the the closest competitor that Princeton's going to have. And to beat Princeton, obviously, in a couple of weeks is still going to be a big chore. But in order to get to that point where that game means everything for the Bruins, they got to go in Friday night at Eastern Wayne. And, I mean, I you know, if I were a betting man, I'd bet on the Bruins. I don't know what the spread would be, but they've got to be the favorite at this point against everybody but Princeton. Yeah, I think that's right. I think the way that they've played and what they've put together is really uh, impressive. In fact, after both those games that you mentioned against Hunt and Fike, both uh, Fike head coach Tom Nelson and Hunt head coach Juan Jackson said, you know, talking about Beddingfield, that they said that team's going to win some games this year. They were correct. Well, and, you know, as it was pointed out to me by Beddingfield principal J.T. Tribula, that was a good point by J.T. that those games were played in the heat of August. And one advantage that Hunt and Fike both have over Beddingfield is numbers. Now, I don't know if that actually came into uh, play in those games, but it makes sense because the Bruins are playing offense, defense, special teams in 90-degree weather. That's tough. Not 90 degrees anymore. And, you know, and they also know that they can do it now, not, not you know, wonder if they can. They know they can. They've, they've, they've looked really good out there against some teams that aren't terrible. North Johnson's not a terrible team. Mm-hmm. They're not Goldsboro bad. They're not Rocky Mount Prep bad. Um, they got some challenges, but, you know, they got some kids that can play. They not have as many, but they got some kids who can play. And, you know, Benefield just took them out of it. Man, they, they, they look like by far the superior team athletically. But even so, it's not like North Johnson didn't have anybody. Yeah. It's a lot. No, I think I think the mar- that's one game where the margin of victory really speaks to where Benningfield is. Yeah, absolutely. And now you look at the Quad County Conference. We talked about this last week. We talked about it looking like a collision course between undefeateds, CBA Cock and Smithfield Selma. Not much has changed there. CBA improved to, I believe, 7-0 on the season last Friday night with a narrow win at Fike. I've seen... I, I was only there for the second half for that because I was kind of bouncing around taking pictures, but I've gotten to see the Golden Falcons a couple times this year. 
they're, they kind of, you know, they've had these nail biters, but they're, they just seem like kind of that team that has a knack for really finding a way to win, just yeah. whatever it is. And I think what Thomas Zelo has built there is really impressive. You don't mess with teams like that, Andrew. You don't. I mean, they are, they are winning games narrowly, and they're just staying at it. That tells you that they believe in themselves, first of all, and they're they're not going to go away, and they're not going to do too many things to kill themselves. If they do, they seem to find a way to get around it. Keep an eye on ACOC. I mean, they've got a big game against West Johnston this week. They're all big, obviously, leading into a potential showdown with Triple S next week. But um, that, that win at Fike was pretty impressive because they could have folded. You know, Fike was right there with them, had the lead at one point, and, um, you know, they, they grind, grinded it out and pulled it out. So, all you know. Hats off to Coach Zietlow. He's, those years he spent at uh, Charlotte Huff, I think, um, he was a, a assistant coach at ACOC uh, over 10 years ago with uh, Randy Pikowski as the head coach. And uh, Zietlow's come back, and, man, he's, he's obviously uh, picked up some good things in Charlotte over the years because uh, he's turned a team that, again, last year, ACOC was not – did they even win a game? I can't remember. They had a tough year. And this year, hey, man, they're – they're headed straight for the playoffs and a home game so people can have those ACOC cheeseburgers. Man, I, I got to have one of those when I went to cover ACOC Hunt. Um, you told me, I think, to get it with chili on it, and I did. And it was it was really, really good. The And there's you, you go to the ACOC concession stand, football, basketball, there's just there's a lot of options. I mean, they have mozzarella sticks at a high school concession stand. It's it's easily one of, if not the best high school concession stands I've seen. Can we expect to hear a Schnitker review of area high school concession stands at some point? Yeah, I think uh, I think we can make that happen. The, the a, I, can, I can give a spoiler alert that the Acock cheeseburgers and the Wilson Christian soft pretzels will both be prominently featured on said oh, review. Boy, there you go, folks. You've heard it. We got we to gotta look forward to some more reviews. There you go. But, um, on the flip side of that game on Friday night, you know, I talked about CBA cock finding ways to win. Fike has done the opposite this year. They have found ways to lose. To lose. They had, I believe it was three turnovers again on Friday night. And there are turnovers in costly moments, too. I mean, two of them in the second half. They were driving down early in the second half with a chance to score to tie the game. And Siante Jones throws a interception from, I think, the seven or eight. That gets returned deep into fight territory. They had another drive in the fourth quarter where they were driving down with a chance to tie the game. They fumble deep in ACOC territory. So, I mean, it's just, I, I, I understand when Tom Nelson tells me just about how frustrated he is because it really, the games that I've watched and I've seen, it really has been, you know, fight moving the ball, looking good, looking like they're in business. And then a self-inflicted wound just derails the whole thing. Yeah, and I mean, you know, any coach will tell you it's not about it is how you practice, obviously, all week. But you've got to if you're fumbling all week in practice, obviously you have big problems. But it's one thing to run these plays in practice, and I think Fike is just one of those teams with a Friday night problem. They are a good team. They got some good players. They've got some veteran players. And for some reason on Friday nights, things go wrong and they don't do some of the things that they've done in practice all week. And I know it's really frustrating for uh, head coach Tom Nelson and his staff because you see these guys in practice. He was very high on this team before the season. You know, he didn't want to come out and say it so much, but he felt like they, you know, if, if things, if they didn't beat themselves, I remember he almost said it word for word or get hurt or have a lot of injuries, you know, we should, we should be a contender in this conference. And, um, and that, 
I, I believe that was the case. But gosh, man, they have just beaten themselves almost every game to the point now where it's like, you know, you really just need to win a couple more and try to get in the playoffs and hope that you can, you know, do some damage there because you're not going to win the conference. You're not going to get a sure bid. You're just going to have to get in as a wild card. Well, and the one thing that, because I kind of asked Tom about that a little bit on Friday, and the one thing that he told me that kind of works in Fike's favor with that is the teams that they've lost to, you know, like South Johnston, CBA Cox, Smithfield, Selma, all have good records. And then you look at what they have left, kind of the saving graces. Two of their last three games are against kind of the two bottom feeders of this conference in Southern Wayne and East Wake. If Fike can't find a way to win those games, they got major problems. And then it's entire. I mean, we're looking way ahead here, but it's entirely possible that Hunt Fike in late October could be a battle for a playoff spot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's definitely going to be the battle for the Wilson County Championship. If Fike wins that, they were Phoenix County champs. And, you know, Hunt won't have anything this year as opposed to winning the Quad County last year. But, yeah, it's – I mean, Hunt's two and two, but Hunt's, Hunt's also played Acock and Triple S. So, they, you know, they played the two teams at the top. Hunt struggled to beat East Wake last week. And, I, you know, East Wake is, has not had a good year. So that was a little bit, um, you know, I was surprised. But I guess at this point in the season, you, you know, just get the win and move on. But that having been said, East Wake is going to be home this Friday night with fight there. Fight better come ready to play because there's no guarantee they're going to win any game at this point. No, no, they've, they've got – I mean, the thing we just talked about, they've just got to execute. I mean, I think – you watch Fike, you watch what they can do when they're playing well and moving the ball well. They've got some great pieces. I mean, Siante Jones, yeah, he's been turnover prone, but he's also been showing what he can do when he's making plays with his legs and with his arm. They've got a couple of really good running backs, Janiel Jones and Bud Woodard, some receivers who can make plays downfield. They just, you know, it's it's really, it just boils down to the turnovers. You know, can you go out and execute and you know, not beat yourself. And so far for Fike, that answer has been no. No, and they do have a lot of Joneses. If you want to beat Fike, you definitely have to keep up with the Joneses. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't resist that. Yeah, but we, we, you spoke briefly about Hunt being 2-2. Two and two. They did just, you know, improve that with the wins over Southern Wayne and East Wake. Very different set of, I mean, I know, you know, Juan Jackson is a competitor. He wants to win. He expects to win. But I think externally a pretty different set of expectations for Hunt this year with all of those seniors that they lost from last year's team. So if, you know, if Hunt can find a way to win a couple of these last few games on their schedule and get into the playoffs as a wild card with such a young group this year, I think that would be a pretty good accomplishment for them. Yeah, it would be. And I think, you know, obviously people have expectations, but any coach is going to tell you, it doesn't matter, but especially when you get this point of the year, nobody's, you know, everybody's got experience because they've already played. Six. And so it, now it's a matter of where are you now and what can you do? And, you know, Hunt's got some things to clean up, too. They didn't lose by a lot to ACOC or Triple S. Hunt could easily be 4-0 in this conference and sitting on top without a whole lot of things having gone wrong, despite their, you know, preseason showing. But, again, you know, the same thing with Fike um, and Hunt. They really, you know, they have to not make the mistakes that they made against the teams that they couldn't afford to make the mistakes against. So, Luckily for them too, they also got um, well. I guess their 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 closing games aren't quite as easy because they've already beat Southern Wayne and East Wake last week. 
and they start to play both Johnston. Yeah, I think one in home. I think I think this Friday maybe they're at. Yeah, and then so then next week they've got West Johnston at home. You've got to be on guard against both those Johnston County teams. They're good enough to beat anybody in the conference. Yeah, I, I got West Johnson and they look bad and then lost badly to South Johnson. Well, that was the game that Fike had seven turnovers. But to South, I mean, to South Johnston's credit, I saw them. The one thing that makes South Johnston really tough is they've got a really big athletic center anchoring the middle of their offensive line and a good running back, senior running back. So they're really, really hard to stop on those runs up the middle. So that was part of the problem for Fike. If you 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 do not want to get down against South Johnston because if you do, they can run the ball and chew some clock. Yeah, well, as long as they hold on to it, yeah, that's a good formula. Looking, um, continuing our high school football discussion, Southern Nash returning from the bye week last week, beats Bun. Still been a little bit of a fumbling problem, though, I think, for the Firebirds. And, you know, you, you get away with it against Bun, but is there some concern now about this potentially being a pattern that could cost them and – you know, the bigger uh, games we've talked about against, like, Northern Nash? They've been doing it for four games. It's definitely a pattern. It's something that they've got to – they cleaned up some penalties that was hurt. But fumbles are really a problem. If you drop eight fumbles, you have got a problem. Even if you recover half of them, you still shot yourself in the foot on four plays, um, unless the ball, you know, pops up right in your arms, which never happens. So, yeah, there's a big problem, a bigger problem for head coach Brian Batchelor. There's been a lot of injuries, man. The Firebirds have really been racked with injuries. Uh, he even suggested um, in his many years there as an assistant coach, and I know there were years where half the starting lineup from August was, you know, on the sideline by the time he got to October. But Batchelor says this is one of the worst years he's ever remembered in terms of just losing kids left or right. Um, and so, you know, luckily, though, they've had you know, Ty League Mitchell, his older brother, Traylon, is the Firebird star senior player who's committed to Virginia Tech. Well, Thomas Copeland went down. Mitchell Jones went down. With, you know, the backfield starting to get depleted. Traylon's a little bit banged up. He's got to deal with, you know, sort of aches and pains every week out there, but he's still running for 172 yards like last Friday. But his younger brother, Ty League, shows up, and all of a sudden, he's on the varsity. He's not going to eight quarter. He's going to be a starting running back. He's pretty good. He ran for 80 yards and two touchdowns the other night. Um, that's a good thing for Southern Nash because that offense is hard to stop. Um, but with the injuries they've had, they're definitely going to have to sort of grind it out. But as we talked about, that's the Rocky Mount. You got, you're in the 3A portion of the 2A, 3A biggies. You got to beat the 3A teams, but let's face it, next Friday night at some Northern Nash, that's what the season is going to come down to for Southern Nash. Yeah, it should be a great another great game too. One of the better high school football rivalries, I think, in the state of North Carolina. It's always, you know, a fun game when those two get together. I certainly got to see a good one last week. If you watched the Barton College football game against Newbury on Saturday, you unfortunately did not get to see a good one. What what's been going wrong? you know, still for Barton as they're in this, been in this really tough stretch. Well, speaking of injuries, too, Barton is also, you know, I talked to Coach Hester this morning. Barton, Barton sort of got off on the injuries last year when they went 6-5 and five in their first full season of college football in 71 years. A lot of things happened right. And we talked about that this morning. And, you know, now they're 2-4, and four, and they've lost three straight, which is the first three-game losing streak since their first spring season in 2021. And, um, you know, on paper, it doesn't look like they're having as good of a season. I think the, the, the team is better. They're playing better. Um, but it just sort of, didn't, you know, they could still finish with a better record than last year. 
but they're really going to have to have to overcome some key injuries. And I'm not even sure who's out and who's coming back and who's not. But I think at one point, if you count Kendarius Jenkins, who was lost at the very end of the spring game with a knee injury, cost him his whole fall season. They had six or seven starters from last year's defensive, uh, you know, starting 11 that were either didn't play Saturday or had to leave the game. That's a lot. Because Barton is really not that deep in terms of, they, you know, they don't play, they don't two play, they don't have like, you know, 22 guys that play defense. There's only about 14 or 15 guys that play regular. And so what that means is, you know, those, those sort of second liners have to step in and then guys who haven't played much at all are going to have to take those spots. So that's really been a key concern. But, I mean, they played a Newberry team Saturday that was just on fire. I mean, the Wolves scored their first five offensive touch, uh, offensive possessions, scored touchdowns. Their sixth one uh, was at the end of the half. Then they got the second half. They didn't get the kickoff. They forced a punt from Barton and scored on that one. So they literally essentially scored on their first six offensive possessions, touchdowns. You're not going to beat anybody like that. I mean, Barton defenses play well all year, but I think you could start to see the the – you know, the effects of all those injuries. Plus, Mario Anderson for uh, Newberry had a big day, and they had a hard time chasing him down. And, uh, you know, it just sort of all went wrong for Barton. Plus the fact that Newberry was ranked earlier in the, the season 14 and lost for the first time the previous week to Carson Newman. So it's like the timing was terrible for Barton this week. Um, now they're hosting Lenore Ryan on Saturday, and maybe they, you know, maybe they can be the upset team, you know, the the team that pulls the upset this week. So we'll see. But, yeah, things are a little bit tougher for Barton. But at the same time, they're really probably a better team and certainly an exciting team to watch at times. Yeah, and I think, you know, looking at Saturday, like you said, you know, one of the last things you ever want to run into, especially if you're struggling, is an angry team on the other side. We t- well, Barton's definitely angry this week with yeah. three straight losses. And what is, you know, on their favor is that Lenore Ryan has plays Newberry next week. So it could be the classic, if the Bears look past Barton, trap they're going to be yeah. in trouble. Well, we're the trap game. The uh, We talked a little bit about cross-country last week. I told you guys I was going to be out covering the Wilson Christian pumpkin run, and I was, and I want to talk about it a little bit. Because did you get a pumpkin? I did not get a pumpkin. No, unfortunately, but it was a really fun time. You know, it's a cool setup they have out there with the pumpkins along the course, whole bunch of schools coming out there. It's exclusive to charter private and Christian schools. Uh, Dwight Vanderbilt, who's been running it for eight years for Wilson Christian was telling me, I think the first race, they maybe had like 200 total runners in the high school race. And this time they had over five. So it's, it's really, it's grown a lot. I said, you know, fall air, pumpkins it's it's just a cool fun thing and it was a really it was a good day for wilson christian the boys and girls both set i think school records with their like average times in the top four and lynn scott i mean he, he had himself a week last week he won the wilson county championship and then he wins the pumpkin run with a personal best 1653 set a course record and it's really impressive to watch him run because it's like you're watching you, you've been to a cross country race. You see a lot of times the kids coming over the finish line, you know, they really they're laboring, they got their heads down, they're breathing hard. They might be um, 
getting a little sick. But Lynn, he he comes over that line. He's just got this huge grin on his face. He's raising his fist. You know, he's the he's the top as opposed to like right at the after the uh, top finisher in the girls race crossed. All of a sudden, I'm hearing all the volunteers going. Where's the sand? Where's the sand? We need the sand. So, um, no, and that happened plenty in the boys' races too. I'm not singling the girls out, but yeah, no. Uh, if you've been to a cross country race, you you know what I'm alluding to. But no, yeah, it, it was just um, it, it was impressive to watch the way he he ran and he finished that race. So no, it's a really, I think, a cool event for the sport of cross country that Wilson Christian puts on out there. Well, they, I mean, Dwight Vanderbilt is an assembled a a just a dream team of sorts. He has a symbol that he's actually coached it. I mean he you know he brought all these guys up. They've all been there for, you know, since they were younger. So um I mean he's got four guys who can go under eighteen minutes. I would love to see Wilson Christian compete in like the NCHSAA meet. Um as a team, I you know I don't think Lynn's uh would finish first based on the times that we've already seen from some other runners in the three A division and uh, across the state. But Man, they get four or five runners that are that are right there, um, under nineteen, maybe five under eighteen. That would be incredible. So I mean, you know, Dwight's gotta do things to, to keep it interesting because he's got to the point now it would be a major upset if his team if his boys didn't win the NCC SA championship. Um, so hosting that and then this Friday night he's got another one by the by the moon's light or by the light of the moon. I can't remember exactly how it goes. Um a great night race that they've um, put together. So he keeps it interesting and he keeps these guys active. And Wilson Christian's got more probably cross country runners than they do in any other sport. Yeah, no, it was just said it was really impressive because it wasn't just Lynn. I think they had like four of the top five or something in the boys' race to you know, to win the overall Oh, yeah, you've got Troll, you've got Connor Ford, who was the, the, the state, their state association champion last year. And you've got Brett Walston, who finished second in the county championship last week with a, with a PR time. And so, like I said, you got four guys going under 18. That's huge. I yeah. mean, I, I don't know of a single cross-country team around here that's had that many runners go that low at one, you know, in, in the top four or five. Yeah, no, it's definitely – impressive it's going to be interesting to see what's ahead coming up for this wilson christian team and we're going to have a lot more to talk about with what's coming up ahead for you guys next week obviously like we said some more big football games that will break down volleyball regular season ends this week so we'll be talking about that i'm sure but until then that is going to do it for this week's episode of the nash and pine sports chat again you guys can find this podcast i believe everywhere you get your podcasts we're on Amazon, we're on Spotify, we're on Google, we're on iTunes. Again, if you if there is somewhere you listen to podcasts that you can't find it, email sports at wilsontimes.com and I will do my best to fix that. But again, I just really want to thank everyone for listening and we will talk to you guys next week. Goodbye.